Hello everybody, Dr. F. Scott Field here, and I'd like to introduce you to our newest sponsor. The NPTE Final Frontier is the review course that I wish was around when I took the board exam. For those of you who know my story, it took me a handful of times to pass that exam, and quite frankly, I really wish I had an, a, an exam review course around, uh, just like the NPTE Final Frontier. Uh, check out their website, npteff.com, and use the code HET at checkout for 10% off to all of our listeners and fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field, and I've got with me today Dr. Eric Traber, who actually has an interesting take on things. It's something that we may not learn too much about in school, but I think is super important so that both students in the physical therapy realm and professors can see a couple of the different avenues that we can take uh, as therapists these days. Eric, thank you so much for coming on and for, for educating our audience about uh, a different avenue that PTs can take. Tell us a little bit about your academic journey and how it led you to where we are today. Sure. And thank you for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity to share my story. So I graduated from Utica College with my doctor of physical therapy. Uh, from there, I went on to practice in New York City, where I was in a bunch of different settings, including PT-owned, physician-owned, and a couple of academic hospitals. And then from there, I was able to have these experiences where I can figure out what direction that I wanted to go in with my educational journey, which led me down to specializing in orthopedics, where I completed my board certification in 2017, and then went on to complete a fellowship at Regis University in orthopedic manual physical therapy shortly after. And that's when I started the transition into more the academic orthopedic settings in these larger hospital systems. And from there, I was able to be involved with multiple educational initiatives within those systems, including orthopedic residencies, clinical mentors for aspiring board certified specialists and so forth. And as we went through the pandemic, I realized there were a lot of things that I was starting to experience. For example, burnout, just overload, a lot of stress that was associated with trying to meet productivity standards and completing all these initiatives that I set out to achieve. And from there, it kind of helped me understand and reevaluate what professional journey I wanted to go on or what else was out there for me and what was out there for our profession. And it led me down a road where I was able to explore maybe more non-traditional routes uh, in the non-clinical world. And from there, I was looking at different resources, for example, with Meredith Kasten and the non-clinical PT was a great resource for me to kind of look at some of those other avenues that I was able, I could potentially take. And from there, I was able to make some connections on social media. I just wanted to hear people's journeys so I can understand what they were experiencing. So it can help me figure out what direction I would like to go in and I was thankful enough to have a connection where I was able to speak with the CEO of the current company that I'm working at now um, and understand the business side of things. I, know I wasn't intending to look for a job opportunity. There was no job posting at the time. I just wanted to do this for my own research and just a better understanding of how the other side of the fence was uh, operating. And after my initial visit with the CEO, he showed me around, I got to see their operation. And the biggest takeaway I saw was and heard was how the inside sales team was 
communicating with the people on the other line. They weren't trying to push products or sell anything. They were really trying to understand and listen for what's the best solution for this individual. And that kind of resonated with me because my whole mantra is healthcare is individualized. We want to find the right treatment for the right person at the right time. And I believe I'm paraphrasing a, a Chad Cook article on value-based care. Uh, so I just found that very eye-opening that, hey, well, maybe there's some, another avenue I can take that still helps people, but decrease some of the burnout and the stress that I was experiencing. And mind you, in that, at that time, we were also expecting our second child. We were moving to the suburbs. I was living with my in-laws for a little while because we moved out of our apartment because we wanted to move to the suburbs. So all of these things collectively kind of led me down to this decision that maybe I want to explore a non-clinical role to kind of help with all those things that I was experiencing. And and the rest is history. And, and after that initial meeting, I said, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate the talk. And I asked hey, if you have any opportunities in the future, I'd be definitely like to be a part of this. And that came to fruition and I was happy. Yeah. So you hit on a lot of big topics there I want to touch on. One of them being the non-clinical stuff uh, with Meredith Kasten. I actually helped uh, with a portion of that course she has on consulting, right? So I, I kind of talked a little bit about how I started a consulting portion of my business that just kind of fell into my lap, right? But the other main takeaway there from, from that whole intro is that basically you are now currently in a non-traditional physical therapist role, right? Can you tell us a little bit about your title and then walk us through what that looks like? What are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis? How does that look to maybe, you know, a physical therapist who's going in and treating patients from nine to five? What are the differences there? Yeah. So I am the uh, director of clinical education at Fabrication Enterprises. Uh, we manufacture and distribute physical therapy products. And you may have heard of some of these brands like Digiflex and Therapeuty, baseline evaluation instruments. And so we manufacture and distribute these PT products. And initially my role coming on board was to reach out to students and schools and teach students how to potentially use these products to, and to implement it in their plan of care. But we also had this idea that we didn't just want to be the place where you can access this equipment, but we want to be a resource. So the idea is that we want to be a resource, not just for students, but for that early professional so they can develop and utilize their clinical decision-making in a different way. And by not just determining what exercises or what equipment to use, but maybe how to use them to their advantage. So again, that kind of individualized care, and maybe we need to look at the, the, the quality of the material that's being used in the resistance band, or how do we improve mobility using another specific device. There's just endless opportunities to kind of show how do we use some of these things as a, something to be helpful. We want it to be not just a resource for students, but for early professionals so they can learn how to develop their clinical decision-making and understand the different variables that may be apparent when they're interacting with the patient and not just learning what exercises we need to use or what equipment to use, but what other variables are there? Maybe we have to look at skin integrity issues. So we need to change the material of the resistance band that they're using, or understand that you can use some of these evaluation tools as a treatment or a way to kind of measure throughout the episode of care. For example, I did a, uh, a talk at CSM on getting a grip on dynamometer normative values. 
So understanding how we can use dynamometers, not just for strength, but maybe evaluating other pathology or other conditions, you know, including mortality and frailty, and also how to use an evaluation tool as a test and retest when we're either implementing an intervention or using a, a manual technique. It's just kind of opening up more doors to being more autonomous. And that's the idea is to kind of make that student or make that early professional aware of what's out there and, and what's available for them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the business model that a lot of people are using these days is, uh, you know, provide value up front, right? Give value, teach, educate, allow people to make better, more well-informed decisions based on the knowledge that you're giving them and the education that you're giving them. Right. And if you provide enough value up front, eventually, you know, they'll become hopefully clients or purchasers at some point. Right. Um, so I think that's super important because you guys have the ability to do that. Like you said, it's not just come here and buy our products. It's like, Hey, we want to show you how these things are used and how they could be used in different settings and scenarios. Oh, and then by the way, if you like what you've seen and it's helpful to you, we have them here available, you know, for you to purchase. But, you know, I think it's also important to recognize you have a plethora of education. You have done a ton of, you know, educating, then you went on to, you know, you, you got your undergrad, you got your doctoral degree, then you went on to do residency, you went on to do a fellowship, you did all these things that just kept better, bettering your education, right? But I, I think it's also important to recognize that, you know, that's not always necessarily needed for some of these non-clinical type positions, right? Like for me, with the consulting gig, I took one course in ergonomics, and I have the textbook still, in, in the TDPT program. And that was my, my background and my knowledge in ergonomics. I've gotten better at it over the years as, as I've done this as, you know, a consulting gig for like injury mitigation and, and wellness for companies. Right. But I didn't dive all into it. I've, you know, since learned a lot more and I've taken a, a, a CEU course through the APTA and stuff here and there, but I didn't, you know, go on to get a PhD in ergonomics or something like that. Right. It was just my knowledge base in physical therapy and then my EDD and educating people on ergonomics and these things that really helped kind of bring it all together. So, you know, could you talk a little bit as to, I think, really, it sounds like to me that the takeaway for getting some sort of job like this, uh, it really seems like it's networking. It seems like you networked your way into just the, this ideal situation and scenario for you. Yeah, totally. And just to kind of backtrack a little bit. And sometimes we always feel that our path has to be linear, has to be start to finish always growing. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. And it's taking these experiences, learning from them, understanding, and then reflecting allows us to refine what we're doing and then be able to adapt and be dynamic with that. And I think that's something that was very apparent to me throughout these experiences is you're going to have your wins and your losses, but it's what you do with that information uh, and, and you're right. I think a lot of what we do is just networking, just talking to people. And, and that's something I would tell the students. Sometimes if you learn how to communicate with another individual, listen, learn how to actively listen, you're going to understand a lot more than you initially thought. So I think in being very active and just learning people's stories and learning what they're all about, what their beliefs are, what their values are, that can help shift and direct you in the right direction. And I think for me personally, I felt that was extremely valuable. And I am continue to do that as I, I continue to connect with people on social media, at conferences, which leads me down these roads where I'm able to kind of 
take it all in and 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 use it to whatever way I, I choose to. And you know, it's it's very humbling. It's something I did not anticipate initially when I started in physical therapy school. But I'm just glad that I'm I'm here right now and and able able to share my story with all of you because I think this hopefully can resonate with some people who may be in a, a similar situation. Yeah, I, I definitely relate to your nonlinear path. I mean, I, I was an English major, right, before I became a physical therapist. And then, you know, along the way, I went from uh, traveling physical therapist to outpatient physical therapist. I was just going to be an ortho bro my whole life, you know, and, and treat for the New York Mets. That was my uh, my pinnacle, you know. But then, uh, you know, life kind of got in the way. I got married, had kids. And along the way, I kind of fell into geriatrics a little bit. You know, I've been working at a lot of sniffs. I've been working at um, home health agencies and stuff. And I, I, I actually found that I really enjoyed it. I, I liked working with the geriatric population. And that ended up again, you know, when COVID hit, I took a step back from the clinical work and leaned more into the academic side of things. And it was mainly because they needed somebody to teach their geriatrics track, right? And, and you know, their PCM1 and PCM2, which was like uh, transfers and assistive devices and stuff like that. Uh, and then luckily, I had a little bit of a, a wound care experience at, at both the SNFs that I worked at. And, you know, it just, it was a good fit. But all along the way was was building that network, you know, and, and talking to the right people and making the right connections so that when the time came for me to try something else or move on, I knew the right people to go to. And luckily, the, the right people reached out to me because they knew me. So, uh, you know, I tell my students all the time, you know, it's cliche, but your network or your net worth is your network, right? And and I think realistically, it's just, you know, a lot about who you know and and they may not be the person that that gets you across the finish line, but they may know two or three people that they can connect you to that can help get you there, you know? And so it, it, it is a cliche phrase, but it's cliche for a reason. It's because it's true, you know? And if you've got a good inner circle of five or 10 people that are, you know, s sort of connected in, in the world, then they can lead you toward a right direction. And, you know, by all means, use, use that network, you know, because you never know who you can help uh, within your network or who can help you and, 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 you know, to me, it's all about just making those connections and, and kind of helping, you know, as many people as you can along the way. And it, I'm a big believer in karma. It just all kind of comes back to you, you know, at some point. So, um, Eric, I'd like to talk now a little bit about some tips and tricks and pointers that you've learned along the way. If somebody's interested in possibly getting into some sort of a, a non-clinical type position, what are some, some things you would recommend for them, for those who are just getting started and maybe looking for an alternative to patient care? I think a first initial step and something that I, I currently do, I don't look at it as a first step. It's, it's all many steps along the way is just reaching out to people in those positions that you're interested in or not interested in and taking, be taking these resources, making sure that you're exploring all the avenues that you can go with your knowledge base and your expertise and utilize them to your advantage and just being able to understand what direction you feel is best for you. You know, because again, you, you can try to fit yourself into these different roles, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure you're staying true to your own belief system and values and, and what you want to get out of those experiences. So I would say just talk to as many people as possible, because believe it or not, these people were in the same situation and they want to talk to you. I, I just think it's just a, a valuable tool that's not very hard to do. And sometimes we have this imaginary boundary between ourselves and it's hard to break down those walls, but honestly, I think 
the more that you talk to people, the more comfortable you'll be with what you're doing and what journey you're going to take. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Most of the barriers and, and boundaries that we, we have in front of us are, are self-imposed. You know, we, we put them up there and there's really, they're, they're not really there. You know, they're invisible. They don't exist. We just kind of think them up in our head. Like, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to do this or, you know, what gives me the right or the permit permission to do this. Right. I mean, shoot. One of my first online courses was a fantasy football injury course, right? What gave me the right to do that? I don't know. I know about injuries and I like fantasy football that, you know, I gave myself the permission to do that. Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really a thing until you dream it up and you make it and you go for it, you know? So I think it's important that, uh, you know, again, students realize that there are many different ways out there and pathways that we can utilize our knowledge and our skill sets, that we learn, you know, in, in graduate school. And I, you know, I think it's also important for professors to be able to teach these students that, you know, hey, there are a bunch of different options, right? Luckily, I, mean, I think we do a pretty good job at our university of going through all the settings. I know I do personally. So, you know, we take them from, from acute care, you know, all the way up through home health. And then, you know, I try to interweave some some stories of of odd jobs or things that physical therapists had gotten into i know uh one of the physical therapists uh had worked at a health bar store or a company i think it was like uh, cliff bar or rx bar or kind bar one of the one of the granola type bar companies and they started a gym inside of the company uh as a health and wellness thing and they they have you know employees have to go down and work out for an hour every day. They get an hour off to go work out. And then if anything comes up injury wise or anything like that, the PT can help kind of get them on the right path and then sends them off to, you know, a, a PTA or, or, you know, an ATC to kind of take them through their workout programs. So, you know, again, that was, that was something that didn't exist, but we're seeing a lot more of that now, right? Some of the larger companies like Amazon and, and, Google and, um, you know, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, some of these big companies are trying to bring healthcare inside their company, right? They're trying to, to address health and wellness within their company. And I, th I think it's, it's good to see that more, you know, it, it is. And again, if you have an idea for a company, that's a good fit. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to go and pitch that, you know, even if it doesn't exist yet. So I think I have just one final question for you, Eric. If you're thinking of, going into a non-clinical, right? Any sort of non-clinical job. Are there any groups or any any classes or courses or, or anything that you would recommend, uh, like special interest groups or anything like that, uh, that people should kind of look into for, for support or, um, you know, mentorship, so to speak? Yeah, uh, I personally have used uh, two in, that come to mind. Uh, with uh, Meredith Kasten and the non-clinical uh, PT, uh, and also the uh, clinical transition group on LinkedIn with Emma Brady. Uh, their their, their uh, group is, is awesome. You know, you get to bounce ideas off of each other, have these active discussions. Um, and, and, you know, I think what is one thing I just wanted to add in is sometimes when you make that jump from clinical to the non-clinical role, we're afraid we're going to lose all that clinical knowledge that we know we're not going to get these opportunities to do these things but you know from my own personal experience i'll tell you from at csm i presented a, a speaker proposal presentation and i did a poster presentation 
I didn't think I was going to be able to do that, but I did because I kind of utilized my resources and figured out a way to still stay true to my values and what I wanted to do, but finding just a different way of doing it. So certainly take advantage of those resources that are out there. And again, take the time to talk to people because they want to listen to you and you'll get so many great ideas and it will really help kind of shift your focus in the, in the right direction. And I think it's just a, a very, it's been a very positive experience for me. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I was worried that going into academia, I'd lose a lot of my manual skills and I'd lose a lot of those, you know, clinical skills, but I've had my mobile physical therapy business now for four bit, four years. And I, you know, I, I kind of try to keep that no matter what, just so that I'm always kind of working with patients to some extent, right. To some level. Um, so if, if that's really a concern for you, you know, again, start your own side thing and, and, you know, keep seeing patients, you know, or pick up some PRN hours if you want. Um, you know, it can be done. Like there's the, you know, there's no reason to think that it, just because you're going non-clinical that, you know, well, that's it. I'm not going to use my physical therapy skills. I mean, for sure, you'll use them to some extent, you know, there's no worries about that. Well, Eric, thank you so much for your time and for, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you. Like I said, educating our audience as to uh, one of the non-clinical pathways that, that people can take. We have one final question we ask all, all of our guests, and that that is, if you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change and how would you change it? And I think it kind of speaks to what we're already talking about is just being aware of what's out there because we're, we can't be just a one dimensional profession and only look at clinical practice. There's so many other things that we can do with our profession. And I would hope that a lot of these professors and programs will adopt more non-clinical speakers or just different viewpoints and giving the opportunity for students to see what's out there. Because sometimes we can't be a, a clinician for 30 years or 40 years. You know, we might need some other avenues along the way and figuring out ways to make the profession better, you know, and, and that's why I think trying to uh, implement some of these ideas early on in, in DPT education is just something that'll be extremely beneficial for the future and for the profession. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Awareness, you know, at the very least. You don't have to love it. You don't have to push people toward it, but at least make them aware that these things even exist. Because I think that's a big thing when when students graduate and they come out, they're just immediately tunnel vision. They have a specialty and a, and a clinical direction they want to head. And that's fine. That's great. Some people don't know. Some people graduate and have no idea. So if that's the case, we need to at least make them aware of all the options. Because maybe you can't do clinical work for, for 30, 40 years. You know, I knew that that's why I kind of got into academia. I was going to do it when I retired, when my hands gave out, you know, my back gave out or my knees gave out, whatever. And I couldn't do manual therapy on my feet all day for eight hours. I had to, had to have something to fall back on, you know, so academia seemed like it makes made sense. Little did I know COVID would come and it would push me into academia even earlier. So, well, Eric, again, thanks so much for your time. Where can people reach out to you and find you on social media or online if they want to ask more questions or just see what you're up to these days? Yeah, you can totally reach me through social media, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, Instagram at the same handle. It's just my name, Eric Trauber. You know, nothing too fancy. All right, great. We'll put all those links in the show notes so people can find you. Eric, thanks again, man. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you for having me.